this couple's life. And I want you to hear uh, just a quick testimony about what God is doing. <laughs> All right. Um, we started coming here about July or August this, this past year, and uh, we know that there's many here in uh, the audience that uh, have started up in the last few months. So this is a privilege for us to uh, stand here and perhaps represent you yes. as you've made a decision to also uh, come here. Sherry and I got married in July. And uh, it was our honeymoon uh, that uh, we went across the state of Iowa. Just imagine that, huh? Uh, Veil flying. Yes. It was awesome. Uh, Every day. I, I, I gave Sherry an option of Hawaii or Iowa. Oh. And, and she chose Iowa. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking because we spent uh, our honeymoon in a two-man tent with Ben right next to us whoa, in a tent. Whoa, 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 whoa. And it was, it, no, was no, no. it was a great time though, but it was a difficult ride riding for 500 miles on a bike, let yeah, me tell true. you that. That's true. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> uh, but Ben wanted us to uh, share a little bit in terms of uh, some of the blessings that we've received uh, since being here. And um, I think uh, the thing that keeps coming back to my mind, Ben, uh, there's a lot of reasons that you can choose to uh, come to a particular church. And uh, we saw a lot of things that we really liked about the Gateway Church. Uh, our worship time, uh, the emphasis on missions, uh, getting into God's Word, uh, these, uh, the youth ministry, the children's ministry, uh, all of those things are, are very important to us. And um, I, I came, uh, I think, to a focus of... Uh, I have appreciated so much, um, I think, the emphasis on who Jesus Christ is mm. and our need for him as our Savior. Amen. Right. Uh, I remember saying to Ben, uh, I think on a ride that we went on, that don't stop bringing people to Christ. Yes. The need for individuals, for us all to say, you know, Lord, I, I, I kind of messed up. I need to come back. I need to restore that relationship. And the need for individuals to be challenged to say, I need Jesus Christ as my savior. I, I've never done that before in my life and I, I need to do that. That's what this church needs to stay focused yeah. on, I believe. And yeah. even as a new person here, if I can be that daring sure. to say that. So uh, thanks for doing that. Um, we've had that opportunity in our family and uh, the importance of that is, is, is so critical for all of us, so. Amen. And one last thing I would like to say is, what I like about Gateway is I'm fairly new in this journey with Christ, and Dan's very seasoned. He grew up in a, with a father who was a minister. So for us to come here, and he's getting what he wants when he's this knowledgeable with the Bible and God, and, and I'm just now just learning the whole process of getting to know God. I, this church serves everyone. And one other way that we have been blessed is my son Bradley over there. He was a little too afraid to come up here. But um, he's now finding the Lord as well. So through us coming here, he's really searching and, and getting to, to know God in a relationship with him as well. So, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Awesome. Good job. It is exciting to know, thanks Jess, 
it is exciting to know that God has a plan for our lives and to be able to walk out that plan. I appreciate you guys sharing, and uh, it's been exciting to see you guys grow, uh, hearts turn towards the Lord, and uh, to see just how God uh, is continuing to, to mature and, uh, to, as we disciple um, the Clarks, and it's, it's pretty exciting. So, Well, this morning, uh, as we start our celebration, really, of 10 years of ministry, I want to give you an idea of where we're headed. We have four of these days planned this year. We have one now, uh, one in May, and uh, depending on the weather, we may do part outside, part inside, and so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we're working on some inflatable games for the, for the kids and uh, for the May one, which will be exciting, uh, so we can have a fun time for that afternoon. Um, and then we're going to wait till October, and as we celebrate missions like we typically do in October, um, our, we'll have a similar feel uh, for missions and do a missions banquet, a submission celebration, uh, celebrating what God has done for missions over 10 years. And then on December 4th, um, will be kind of the, the final finale. Uh, our church was planted in 2001, the first Sunday after Thanksgiving. Now, the first Sunday after Thanksgiving this year, we're not going to uh, celebrate, but it'll be the following, December 4th. And uh, we've asked the planting pastor, Jeff Grinnell, to be with us and, uh, we, and his wife. And uh, we will be ramping up, and it'll be exciting. And uh, we, we won't want any of you, uh, we don't want anyone to miss it. And, uh, and so we want to make sure that you're well aware of what is coming. After church today, we want to invite you to stay. Um, it really, it'll be a seamless transition um, at the end of the message. Today, we will give an opportunity for the parents uh, with young kids to go grab your kids. Um, we'll kind of dismiss, and then we'll just start making our way out this door and through, and uh, it'll be very easy. And uh, we'll, uh, we've got a slide presentation that'll be kind of fun. You can look at some pictures of uh, recently, and uh, it'll just be a great time. We don't want you to just uh, to bolt out of here. Stick around. We've got plenty of food, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. If you've been here over the past couple weeks, we've been talking about a decade of destiny. Say that with me. Decade of destiny. Looking forward to the next 10 years of our lives. And I'm just opening up my, there we go. I'm like, what? That's not my notes. There we go. 10 years, a 10-year plan. And my heart is that the result of even this series that we're preaching is that it would Start to bud some success in your life, in every area of your life, in fact. Physically, spiritually, relationally, financially, of course, which we're going to talk about today. I want you to be successful in your career. I want you to be successful in your family, at school, uh, on your sports team, students. I want you to be successful with friends. And so this decade of destiny is teaching some foundations some fundamentals of where we must go as a body and individually. Last week, I gave some homework, and for those that were here, I want to challenge you again. Don't just put that sheet of paper in your Bible and forget about it. Get it out and work through the process. There were four things last week that Esther did, and uh, as we looked at the story of Esther, and that you need to walk through those steps. I am walking through those steps. Uh, Jessica and I are doing that together, and it will bear fruit in your life, I guarantee it. Today, though, we're going to kind of turn the corner on this decade of destiny. 
And we're going to look for the next four weeks, starting today, at some practical, specific areas in our lives. At the beginning of Decade of Destiny, I said that there were 7,000, actually over 7,000 promises found in God's Word. Pretty awesome. But every single one of those promises had a premise. And the same is true for these four areas that we're going to focus on. Today, we're going to look at finances and how God has a plan for financial blessing for you. The next one is physically. That God, there are some promises in God's Word that will bless us physically. Our health, our energy. How many want to be fit? (laughs) Hopefully most of you. Well, I found a scripture this week that might resonate with some of you here. And uh, it's found, you can write this down, John chapter 3, verse 30. It says, He must increase and I must decrease. (laughs) I don't know if that resonates with anyone else, but it sure did with me. The next thing we're going to talk about is spiritually, right? We're going to look at our spiritual life and how God has a plan to grow you spiritually. He doesn't want you to remain an infant. He wants you to grow over the years. And then we're going to talk about our mental and intellectual skills. We're going to look at skills the last week of Decade of Destiny that to learn to be successful. There are habits that successful people have incorporated into their lives. And I want you... And I want me, all of us, that we would do just that. How many know that successful people are not smarter or brighter or wealthier when they start off? Okay, do you believe that? I do. They're not. But they're willing to develop habits and skills in their life that pay off in the long run. Doing little things right over a long period of time will be a blessing. And that's what we're called to do. And personally, again, I'm challenged by this. I'm walking with you. Now today, we're going to look at the financial health of our lives. Now I understand, as I bring this message, the current reality of our state, although the numbers this week that um, uh, unemployment has actually declined uh, just slightly, uh, we're still in the uh, double digits, but... Uh, there are a lot of people out of work, and I understand that. And I know that there are people here this morning that are out of a job. And anytime I realize also that anytime you talk about finances, there's tension. And boy, with the current recession that, that we're in, some would, some would say, well, just avoid the topic altogether. There's another fact that makes it even a little more the tension where we could just cut it with a, um, a butter knife is that there are many of you and us that are deeply in debt and are just making it, just getting by. And I understand that dynamic. And we understand that as Americans especially, we'll talk about that in a second, that there are many of us deeply in debt. But God's Word gives some promises for us with some premises. Now, I just want to give you a little disclaimer. I am not a prosperity gospel preacher, okay? You've heard of the wealth and health preaching. That's not what you're going to hear this morning. I do not believe that every Christian should be a millionaire. It'd be nice, but it's not. I don't believe that God's Word even says that. In fact, just to kind of prove my case, if you can turn with me to Luke chapter 12, I want you to look at a verse here, that is very, very interesting, very challenging. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, as we just get going here. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says, this is Jesus talking. He says, watch out 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then listen to what it says. Just to prove that I, I don't believe that God wants everyone to be rich necessarily. He says, listen, he says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, when I was growing up, there was a t-shirt company or a company called No Fear. Does anyone remember that? It was like, you know, dirt bikes and uh, motorcycles. And they, they would have these t-shirts. They would say, no fear. And one of them said, he who dies with the most, to- most toys, what did it, how did it finish? Do you remember? He still dies, right? <laughs> or something like He wins. That's right. He wins. And that is not what God's word says. Your value and your valuables are not the same. You understand that? Your net worth and your self-worth are not the same. And so we need to make sure that we never let money or things rob us of the things that we can't buy, the things that are most important to us. There's another verse. Just flip over a couple um, chapters. Um, Luke chapter 16 Luke chapter 16, verses 9, listen to what it says here. It says, I tell you, it says to use worldly wealth. This is Jesus talking, just two statements here to start us off. Talking about what Jesus said. He says, use worldly wealth to gain friends. Now, some versions might say to gain eternal friends. To win people for the Lord. It says, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, when your wealth is gone, or when when the Lord returns, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. And then it gives four little uh, nuggets here. It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. It's a, it's a powerful uh, principle there. Not, verse 11 says, So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with uh, someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? And then it says, No servant can serve two masters. Either will he hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to, God, or to, to one and despise the other. And then it says, You cannot serve both God and and money from the words of Jesus. The idea here is these verses explain that money is a tool. It's a test. It tests your gratitude. It tests your faith. It tests your priorities. It tests your values. Money will test your maturity. In managing money, this is very important, is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. We're talking more than about just getting out of debt and being debt-free this morning. It's a spiritual discipline. And you've heard it said, and I, I think I've probably said it before, show me your checkbook and I'll show you where your priorities are. And we'll see that as we move on today. Well, there are eight habits of financial blessings. And I thought, man, as we bring these, how, where could I turn? Where could I look as we talk about the next 10 years of our lives? What would challenge us? And I figure you want to learn from someone that has been there and that has been successful. Amen? How many of you know you don't ask a broke man how to make money, Right? Maybe. Or you don't ask someone that has uh, you know, been married 10 times, you know, what are the keys of marriage, right? You don't ask a, you know, you know, these types of questions. So I figured let's look primarily at the wisest 
and the wealthiest man in the Bible. And who was that king? King Solomon. It's just not a Dave Ramsey, what we're going to talk about. It's not Ben Vey. These are not my opinions. It's God's word spoken through Solomon, the wisest and the wealthiest man alive. And there's eight things. And, and I know that uh, these things are going to bless your lives. And I put them in the first person because I want you to take notes and I want you to be committed to these things. The first thing, if you are interested in having financial blessing for God to bless your finances, put it in the first person. Say it with me if you can put it up there. I must trust God as my source and my supply. I must trust God as my source and my supply. Do you know what that means? It means that your source of your income is not your job. How many say, thank the Lord for that? (laughs) The source of your income is God. The source of your financial blessings, the source of it, the source of your security is rest in God. The fact is, is that you can lose your job. You can lose your savings account. You can lose your money, your retirement. They can take your house. You can even lose the people that you love, but you will never lose God's unconditional love for you. You say, well, my source, my security is found in God. And we we say amen to that. But how would you know when someone or something other than God is your security? Have any idea? Well, you would worry about it. You would worry. Turn with me to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Romans 11, 36 talks about that God owns it all. He loans it out. It says this, From Him and through Him and to Him are all things, and to Him be the glory forever. Amen. God is our source. He's the author and the finisher. He is the beginning and the end. He's the one that pours into our lives. There's another verse in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says this. It says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It's God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. That's pretty powerful. When I read that, I want to personally, I want to be a wealth creator and a kingdom builder. Notice I didn't say I want to be a wealth builder. I don't want to pile up money for myself. I want to create wealth so I can build the kingdom of God. It's a different type of mentality. And it may challenge some of you that are here today. You know, I read something this week, or actually I heard it um, as I was studying. It says that money is like manure. If you start piling up, what? It stinks. But if you spread it out, it makes things grow. Isn't that nice? I like that. I like that. Let me say that again. If you pile it up, it starts to stink. But if you spread it out, It makes things grow. I want to be a wealth creator and a kingdom builder. And my heart is that that would be your mindset as well. The first thing, if you're going to be financially blessed, is you must trust God as your source and as your supply. And all God's people said, amen. Number two, I must do my work 
as an act of worship. Now, this is very, very close to my heart. My dad taught me this principle growing up. My dad worked for Ford Motor Company. Some of you have heard this before. He worked there for 30 years. Started when he was 17. He graduated, I mean retired, when he was 47 years old. Walked the line. And about four weeks later, he turned uh, 48 years old. And for those years, of course, in the union, there were so many times that my dad would explain to me that his coworkers would say, Dan, stop working so hard. We need the, um, the, um, the overtime on Saturday. And my dad would over and over say, look, I'm not working for you or for Ford Motor Company. I work as unto the Lord, and you continue to do his work. You know what Ecclesiastes 9.10 says? says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We are to do it as unto the Lord. And do you know what that means? I want you to get this. It means that your boss is not your boss. Now don't go and tell your boss that. But work is unto the Lord. Your boss is not your boss. And I just want to say, if your heart is not in what you do, if you dread getting up in the morning, or if you hate what you do, you're probably in the wrong job. You need a different mindset. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you, if you said, well, I'd like to know what kind of work God blesses? How many would be interested in that? Yeah, I would. Well, there's five things that real quick I want you to, to do. We won't put them on the screen. You can write them down if you want. The kind of work that God blesses, the first one is planning. Planning. Proverbs 21, verse Fifth or verse 5 says, good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. Wow. It says, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. If you're trying to cut corners and do it the fast way and uh, you know, give a, a half day's work and, and you don't plan, you're, you're going to lead to destruction. The second thing is that initiative. <clears throat> Excuse me. Initiative. Planning and then initiative. Proverbs 10.4 says, Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. I love that. One of the things I'm proud about my wife is that recently um, she has uh, really taken some initiative in the school system where we live. And uh, we were talking about this recently when we, she, she uh, wanted to get in to work during the school hours and then be off when the kids are off school and all these things. And we talked about it. We we're like, man, it's hard to break in to the school system. And I said, Jess, you got to take some initiative. You got to get in. You got to make yourself known. And so emailing, calling, sending flowers and chocolates. No, just kidding. She didn't do that. But there are certain people that call for subs and Jessica took the initiative to make sure that they knew that she was available. And it has paid off. A couple weeks ago, our small group uh, that meets at our house, we prayed on a Friday night or on a, a Sunday night. We said, Lord, just provide work for Jessica this week. Um, Jessica and I are saving for our 15-year anniversary. We're going to be 15 years married. And, uh, and so anyway, we're, we're, we're saving. And that week, every single day, she was called and more than once on some days. And it was like, whoa, praise God. But it took some initiative. And it'll take you. That's the type of work that God blesses. The third thing is integrity. How many know God loves when we're honest? Proverbs 16, 11 says, The Lord demands fairness in every business deal. 
The fourth thing is focus, and I've got to move through these quickly. Proverbs 12, 11, hard work brings prosperity, but listen to this, but a fool, but only fools waste time chasing fantasies. Wow. Proverbs 12, 11, write that one down. And the last thing is persistence. The Bible says that wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears, but wealth from hard work grows. There's so much in God's Word that talks about the blessings of God that come financially. So here we go. The first one was I must trust God as my source and my supply. Number two was I must do my work as an act of worship to God. We work as unto the Lord. Well, the third thing is I must keep good records. I know that gets people riled up. I know that you're saying, it's hard to keep good records. I don't have the time to keep good records. Well, let me say, in the next 10 years, if you desire to be debt-free, free from debt, financially free, you must keep good records. You say, I don't have the time to do that. Well, do you have the time to worry? Because that's the result. If you don't, let's look at Proverbs chapter 27. Turn with me there. Proverbs chapter 27. Interesting verse here. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says this. It says, Be sure to know the conditions of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. The idea here is that Solomon is encouraging us to keep track. Now, we don't have sheep or goats, well, not most of us don't at least, uh, to keep track. But we do have a ledger. We do have a checkbook. We do have bank accounts, hopefully. And we need to be keeping good records. Have you ever heard that, the, that money talks? Well, I don't think it does. I think it just quietly walks away. If we don't keep track of our money, riches will dis- disappear fast. And if you don't know where your money is going, you are already heading into deep trouble. Or maybe you're already deep in it. And I don't say that as condemnation. (laughs) I just say that as wise up. Keep good track. Pay attention to what happens. And God will bless it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I want you to turn with me there. This is a verse that talks about tithing, but I want, you, I want to look at it because it really speaks to um, this idea of keeping track. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2 says this. says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. What this speaks to, to me, is putting money aside, keeping good records. I just mentioned we have been saving for some time for our 15-year anniversary. And by God's grace, our vacation will be paid for in cash, in advance, and we will go and we'll not have to think about, oh, we have to pay for this for the next five years. And we give the glory to God for that. But if you want to save, or if you want to give, or if you want to provide something, you got to keep good records. And God blesses that. Now, I'm the first one to admit, I really do not like to do this. Mondays 
is a day that I do our finances every Monday, lay it all out and write it, you know, just, I mean, we got this book and it's, you know, it's painful. And uh, if I don't get it done before Reagan gets home, she thinks that something, you know, horrible has happened every week. And, uh, and, uh, and then once I get it done, there's a peace that comes. It's like, whew, everything's good. And if I miss a week, it's bad. Let me just tell you, it's hard to keep track, but I know the benefit of it. And God's word encourages us that we must keep good records. All right, number four. If I want God's plan for financial blessings, number four, now we're going to talk a little bit about how to spend your money, all right? I must give the first 10% back to God. Okay. Proverbs chapter 3. Turn with me there. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 says this. It says, To honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Someone asked me recently, why do you think God asks for 10%. I don't have a good answer. I just say, I have no idea. He could, have, he could have asked for 1% or 2%. He could ask for 15% or 90%. I don't know. But what tithing does, once you get that principle deep down in your heart and you understand it, what God wants is not our 10%. 10%? How about that? <laughs> He wants our lives. And there is a sensitive nerve in all of our lives connected from our heart to our wallet. Am I right? And you, there's a something that from my wallet to my heart, it's sensitive. But I'll tell you, if I had $101 bills this morning laid out here on these tables... The first one, listen what it says. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. The first one that you earn goes back to the Lord. Without the promise of any other coming, the first one spent is your tithe. And God will bless it. You're, and it's just a, it's a biblical principle. It represents our gratitude towards the Lord. It represents purpose in our lives that we, we are on board. It, it represents faith in your life. And I'll tell you, more than uh, many other things in the Bible, God promises that when you tithe, you will be blessed. Now, let me just take a quick time out here for a second. This last Sunday night, many of you, uh, you know, uh, many of us were here for the annual business meeting. And we looked at our financial situation and we are in wonderful financial situ uh, situation. And we are very, very thankful for that. God has blessed us. But the reality is that there is about one out of every three of the people that are here this morning that are following this principle. And that saddens me. I tell those that go through membership, I don't know who gives. And I don't know who gives. I don't want to know who gives. I want to treat you the same if you give or if you don't. But I'll tell you, I can stand before you today and share this message with a, with a clear conscience because I know 
the benefit that comes when you honor God with the first 10% of your income. And so that's the first thing you do. When you make a dollar, 10 cents goes back to God. You must give the first 10% back to God. The next thing, if you want financial blessings in your life, number five is that, and we'll put it in the first person, I must save and invest for the future. It's not good enough just to tithe, just to give 10% to the church, to keep good records and to honor God. You must save and invest if you want financial blessing in your life. You say, well, prove it. All right. Well, Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs chapter 21. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 21 verse 20. It says, The house, or in the house of the wise, are stores of choice food and oils. The idea here is that there's things saved up so you can go in and get it off the shelf. Oils and foods and and blessings. But then listen to what it says. But a foolish man devours what he has. All that he has. A foolish man devours all that he has. Do you know what I think savings is? Investing is? I believe it's God's IQ test for us. If we're going to be smart, if we're going to be wise. In Japan, you know, just got devastated by this um, earthquake and tsunami, and, uh, and we need to be praying for them. In fact, um, uh, there's, there's some opportunity. By next week, we'll have some clarity. There may be an opportunity uh, to bless the Convoy of Hope, uh, who's a first responder through the Assemblies of God, and we'll, we'll let you know by email and maybe by letter, depending on what happens there, uh, where next week we may uh, receive an offering to, to bless the Convoy of Hope and their efforts there. But I'll tell you this, um, Japan, last, or not last year, the year before, 2009, the average person saved 25% of their income. In Europe, the same year, 18% was saved. The same year for the United States of America, and I'm not sure it's got any better, it probably got worse, they didn't save anything. In fact, they overspent. They spent 1% more than they made in 2009 on average. That is scary. Let me just say, stupid Americans. <laughs> if you're wondering, how would you increase your ability to save? I got a question for you. You might want to write it down. It's, it's pretty powerful. The question you ask yourself when you're shopping, when you're out, all you have to say is, do I really need this? Really? Do I really need this? (laughs) Make your money grow. Make it work for you. And if you don't save, it's impossible. You will be working for your money. Proverbs 13.11 says, Money gathered little by little grows. And I just want to say, start saving. Start saving something. If it's a dollar or five or ten, save every time you get a paycheck. Save something. 
Don't spend it all. And then let me say, and this is really, really the, the American way, that when you get a promotion, when you get an advancement, don't spend the promotion. Save it. Live at the same level and you will be blessed. Now there's things as your family grows, you got to adjust your budget and there's, there's more expenses. I understand as your family grows. But if you don't save it, you won't be blessed. I want to tell you a quick story, my story. When I was young, my parents made me, and I told this yesterday at our membership, they made me tithe 10%, and my parents also made me save. But what it did, they wouldn't let me spend all my money. And I appreciate it. At first, I kind of didn't understand it, didn't like it. I wanted things, you know, now and, you know, like most kids do. But I understood that by the time I got married, because my parents instilled those things in me, not only had I bought my own first car, and actually had several cars before I uh, was married at 19, but I was able to save for college, and we, Jessica and I, we went through college completely debt-free. We bought our first house before, before, actually before I got married. And that all was a result of savings, having money in the bank. I don't say that to be prideful. It was God working through my parents that blessed me. And you will be blessed if you save and invest for your future. Let's move on. So we give 10% and then we save. And these are in order. And I want you to know this. The next thing is then I must set up a repayment plan to get out of debt. To get out of debt. If you want to be debt-free in the next three to 10 years, you need to get a plan to pay off your debt. Say, well, why is that so important? Well, let me just first say, it feels so good to be debt-free. And there's a few people here that live debt-free. Um, like Jessica and I have um, all of our married life. It is a blessing. But what it also, it not only feels good, but it frees you to get on with your life, to do what God has called you to do. Let me explain. If God said to you this morning that you were to go to the Dominican Republic to pack up and go, I know without a, without a doubt there are people here that would say, I couldn't do it because of my indebtedness. There are missionaries, and Jessica, we know this. We know people that are called to the missions field that can't go because of their indebtedness. School debt, consumer debt, car debt, home debt, whatever the case might be. And as you move through life, as you begin to set up a repayment plan to get out of debt, it frees you to do what God has called you to do. A couple verses, Proverbs 3, 27 says, don't withhold repayment of your debts. You need to, to pay your debts. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. Let no debt remain outstanding. And I know the reality. I listen to Dave Ramsey. I'm kind of a Dave Ramsey junkie. 
He talks a little bit about this. He, he talks about the fact that, there are mo- that many people just pay the minimums on their cards. They just get by. Well, let me just say, I don't think God's word supports that sort of lifestyle. You're living out of your means. If you can pay the payments, I can afford it. Have you ever heard that? Oh, I can afford the payments. I, I can do it. Well, I would disagree. Save up. And we need to do these in order. You need to keep good records. Then you need to give 10%. You need to save and then repay your debts. You say, well, why? I need to pay my debts. Well, no. I believe you need to give first, save, and then pay your debts. And uh, that differs from some people. I believe it's because you need God's help to get out of debt. And I do believe that you can do it. And we have some people here that would love to walk with you. Dave Biller, of course, um, that we highlight all the time, the, uh, does budget counseling. He, Jessica and I have met with him on several occasions. And just last week we were saying, we need to meet with him again. And, uh, uh, and, it, and it's just a blessing. There are others that would love to walk with you. If you need help in this area to set up a repayment plan to get on track, I want to say, first of all, you can do it. And if you need help, come talk to me and I will plug you in with someone that can help. Number seven, as our time is expiring, is I must budget my, sp- my spending. A budget is a plan where you take control. This is right from God's word. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. We read it earlier. Plan carefully, it says. That means budget, plan carefully. And it says, and you will have plenty. And if you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Another version that says act too quickly, the word there is haste. The idea there, at least in my culture, in the the culture we live in, or how it relates to me, is impulse buying. It says, if you are an impulse buyer, you will never have enough. But there's an antidote to impulse buying. Do you know what it is? A budget. B-U-D-G-E-T. Proverbs, 16, or Proverbs 10, 16 says, The ways of the righteous bring life. As you follow God's word, there's life that comes. Proverbs 21, 20, in, uh, in one version, says this. It says, Stupid people spend their money as fast as as they get it. Don't be dumb. And I say that with all kinds of love. (laughs) And I say it to myself, because I can be susceptible to being dumb. Don't spend everything you get. Budget the rest. We give, or we, we keep good records. We give, we save, we repay, and then we budget the rest. We want to know where our money is going. The last thing is fun. Number eight, we put it in the first person. I must, if I want to enjoy the blessings of God financially, I must enjoy what I have. Stop griping and complaining about not having enough. Be content. Enjoy what you have have. The fact is, because you live in West Michigan, 
because you live in the United States of America, you are better off than the majority of the world. You understand what I'm saying? We are blessed. Be content. Enjoy what you have. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. That really ministers to me. You, because, you know what? As soon as you get something, there's going to be an upgrade. There's going to be the latest and greatest. How many have ever seen that, that commercial just recently? Jessica and I were just talking about it. Where you, I think it's a Best Buy commercial. You get one TV, and they're, they're delivering it off the truck, and then there's a, a sign, you know, new something else. They're like, oh. And so they're, they're actually where they'll buy back what you just bought so you can get something new. It's crazy. The latest and the greatest. How many have heard the term keeping up with the Joneses, right? Well, the Joneses just filed for bankruptcy. So don't worry about the Joneses. And if you're in that rat race, you're a rat. <laughs> and I say that with all kinds of love. <laughs> and I'll just say one more thing as I close. Your kids are going to want the latest and the greatest. My kids want the latest and greatest. But they don't need more things. What our kids need is our attention. And so we need to enjoy what we have. Be content. Enjoy what you have. As we close this morning, as we think about the next 10 years of our lives, as we think about these eight habits that we want to include in our lives, the question I want to ask and close with is, can God trust you with financial blessings? I understand what I'm preaching about this morning is counterculture. This is not the way our culture is moving. And I want to say again that what we're talking about here is a spiritual issue. You show me your checkbook and I'll show you what's important in your life. And the way you spend money is a spiritual issue. There are some people that would say, oh, I love the Lord and I, you know, I, I, um, you know, and I do all these things or whatever, and it, but then they don't give. I personally, when I find that out, there's a red flag that goes up in my mind that says, okay, how much do they really trust God? And can God trust them with financial blessings? See, there's a pattern that we need to record our finances. We need to give. Then we need to save. We need to repay. And then we get to enjoy what God has given. On your tables, there's a blue piece of cardstock that says Decade of Destiny. And I want every single person here to grab one of those. And there's some pens on the table that you'll be able to use here in just a second. And as I close, as we look at this, I understand, again, that, there are, that debt is a big problem, that our recession stinks, that the gas price is being jacked up for no apparent reason. All those things affect us on a day-to-day, and I, we understand that. I understand that. But I want to look at two verses as we close and as, then as we look at this card. The first verse is in 1 Timothy chapter. 6, verse 18. 
Paul is charging Timothy. He says, command them to the, to the church to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and to be willing to share. And then Matthew chapter 6, our budget coach's favorite verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 says, So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the pagans, non-believers, the world, they run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you already need them. But verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Do you believe God's word? I want you to take this card and it basically has a statement. And I didn't get to proofread this. It was my fault. Um, I gave the instructions for this over the phone and then it was already printed. And I said, well, that's, that's good enough. What I wanted was to have that statement, with God's help, I will follow his plan for financial blessings in my life. And then I wanted a, a line, there is a line, but a line to sign your name and then to put your date, all right? So I want to encourage you, if you're interested in, with that statement saying, I, with God's help, I will follow his plan for financial blessings in my life, I want you right now, at this moment, saying, God, I want to do that. And I, you just sign your name, date it, and then I want you to reflect on the truth that's underneath it. What most people do with their money, the reality of, especially in America, is that first they spend their money, then they worry about it, then they repay it, then they save it, and then they'll give it. But let me say, circle that whole right-hand section, the order that God blesses, and I believe that God's word supports, is that first you dedicate it to the Lord. God is your source. Then you tithe. You give 10%. Trust God. And I want to just say, the future of our church depends on that. As we continue to grow, God, we need 100% to tithe. And then, number three, then you save and invest. Then you repay. And then you get to enjoy it. God wants to bless you. And if you follow those five things, I want you to tuck that in your Bible. Take it home. Put it with your finances. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it where you will see it. And commit that with God's help, you will follow his plan for financial blessings in your life. I want everyone to stand right where you are. This morning, as we've talked about finances, about blessings from God, you could do all those things right, but without a relationship with our Heavenly Father, it's worthless. Ultimately, we're here for His glory, for His honor. And you are here this morning on purpose. And if you are away from the Lord, I want to just give you an opportunity here in these closing moments to turn your life to the Lord. And I want everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. 
If you are here this morning and you are away from the Lord and you are ready to commit your life back to Him or to Him for the very first time, I want you just to slip up your hand right where you are. Just keep it up where I can see it. With all the balloons, I'm going to look through, I promise. I want to see if anyone's here saying, yep, that's me. I need a Savior this morning. Like Dan and Sherry shared before, to give that opportunity to find salvation. Anyone at all. I'm not seeing any hands this morning. I want you to take that blue card in your hand. And many of you have signed that. And I want you just to hold it. And I want you to repeat a prayer after me as we close. Say after me, say, Dear Heavenly Father, help me to follow your plan for financial blessings. Help me as I look at my finances, as I work through my bills, as I work unto you. I am open for a blessing. Lead and guide me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, don't discard this. Put it with your budget. Put it where you look at your finances. And I believe that in the next 10 years, God is going to bless you in far greater ways than you could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is what we're going to do. This morning, we are going to pray for our food. We're going to release those that have young kids to go get your kids. And then through this door, you, we're going to just uh, kind of table by table, make our way through and uh, enjoy a meal with us. Stick around. Don't bolt. And uh, let's pray. And, uh, and then I want you also to just check out the cool slides that will be up here. We'll have some good music going and uh, we will be on our way. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for each person that was here, whether it was their first time or they've been here for years. Lord, I pray that you're, you have uh, pierced into our hearts, Lord, each of our hearts, Lord, and, and given us some, uh, some practical principles to live by. And Lord, I pray that truly we would be blessed and Lord, that you would help us, Lord, in these matters. And Lord, I know it's difficult and I know that times are tough, but Lord, with you, all things are possible. And Lord, I pray as we would turn this place into a fellowship hall, so to speak, around these tables, I pray that the fellowship would be wonderful. And Lord, I pray that you would also bless the food, sanctify it to our bodies, and we pray all these things and all God's people said, amen and amen. The food should be ready.